Hi, everyone, and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima, your host of the talk show podcast series. And today I have the pleasure of talking with the amazing Andrea Carlson. Thank you so much for joining, Andrea. It is my pleasure. I'm just delighted to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, it was so wonderful to meet you at the Kominka Summit. And I hadn't heard anything about your projects, and they're really exciting.、Uh, let's talk a little bit about your backstory before we dive in. How did you get started with your passion for restoring, reusing, renovating old Minka and Kominka in Japan? Okay,、um, and maybe I can talk for a little bit, and then we can show some, you know, some things on、yes. the website if that if that's okay. Of course.、So、about about three years ago,、uh, our neighbors were trying to sell their house, and it, it's a beautiful house across the road from us, and it's a kominka, a really lightly lived in, maybe eighty year old kominka, just absolutely gorgeous, and. Uh, we were really surprised to learn that if they weren't able to sell the house and the land as it as it as it is, that then they would they would tear the kominka down. And it happened that about the time that this was happening, my my brother, who lives in Oregon and is a designer builder, and has、uh, worked in Japan before, and it just is really really passionate about traditional Japanese building methods and old wood and all of those good things. Uh, uh, he was visiting, and so we went over to see the neighbor's house, and we were just we were just so saddened and heartbroken to hear that, you know, the fate of this house might be that it would turn into wood chips or be incinerated. So then we started thinking, okay, well, can we maybe?、Uh, Send it to Oregon, where my brother lives, and he would、uh, reconstruct it and and live in it and and really appreciate it, and that led us to the Japan Kominka Association. Uh, which which、uh, was established, I think, probably like formally established, maybe、uh, maybe fifteen years ago or so. And there we met the very very wonderful Yoshinobu Toda,、uh, who is an architect, and his two sons are architects, and they come from a really long line of、uh, traditional Japanese builders. And I think perhaps more than architects, they identify. Themselves as traditional Japanese carpenters, and、uh, Toda-san was one of the founding members of the Japan Kominka Association. As I said, I think about fifteen、uh, years ago or so, and and from him we we started to become a bit more aware、uh, about the fate of kominka and the really really you know just incredibly large number of kominka that are that are torn down and、uh, incinerated. Each each year, sorry, something is popping up on my screen. I'm just going to move it out of the way. And、uh, so then we 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 explored with him the idea of sending a, a kominka overseas.、Uh, and and and、uh, as it turned out, our neighbor's house didn't need to be torn down. A, a lovely couple bought it and are living in it, so it is as it was, which is as it should be. But then I think at this point the idea of well, 
what can, what can we do? How can we be involved in some kind of a, even in a very, very small way, some kind of a solution to this, to this problem? Uh, and, and so we, we thought, okay, well, uh, perhaps we can send another Cominca overseas and, uh, as as turned out to be the case, there was a cominca that was going to be pulled down, that was going to be torn down uh, in the very near future in Todasan's neighborhood. Uh, so we uh, agreed that we would, uh, with him, take it down. I mean, with him sounds like we were doing the work, and of course we weren't. Uh, he and his wonderful carpenters were taking it down. Uh, and then uh, over the next few months, each piece of wood was washed, and uh, maybe later I can show you some photos uh, on the on the website of the of the process. Uh, each piece of wood, each kawara, was was washed, uh, numbered. Well, I think they were numbered as they were being taken down. Then the structure was reassembled to make sure that everything would fit over 90 years or so of course when you put something back together there's going to be some twisting and so some very uh minor modifications were made uh it was reassembled in the warehouse or in the workshop uh and then packed into 14 quite large containers very carefully as you can imagine yeah. uh and I've then got, i've got some pictures i can show now because i I find this part of the process so fascinating. Oh, um, no. Now you've got it all documented on your YouTube channel. You've also got loads of photos on your website. Um, it was so interesting to see how things were disassembled and then, like you said, put back together in a warehouse to right. check that all the pieces were in good shape and replace yes. any rotten wood, for example. Right. And then packed up and sent to America, Oregon. And then they took pictures and they marked everything so carefully. Yes. And then uh, they were able to rebuild it on the other side without traditional Japanese building skills, right? Amazing. Right. Because because uh, my husband was involved in the process, and so you know he he was there when they were taking it down. He was very very involved in meaning that he was really the person that did most of the washing and 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 that kind of thing, and also did most of the the packing into containers. So he was really you know he he really knew this house very very well uh, by the time it was sent. Yeah, these are just some stills from the video that that you shared with me. Um, right. So they took off the roof tiles. Uh, you can see all the heavy dirt and everything underneath. Right. And then they took apart the frame so carefully, dismantling piece by piece with special Japanese tools so that they wouldn't damage any of the pieces. It was right. just absolutely incredible. And this was only a 90-year-old house, it looked like? Only a 90-year-old house, yes, yes. And, and then, then, like you said, all the pieces were color-coded, uh, marked, so that they could be reassembled on the other side. Right. But you can right. see how beautiful these original beams were and yeah. in really good shape. It was, yeah. it was built really well, this house, right? 
Right. It, it, it really was. It was in very good condition. So uh, when it was reassembled first in the in the workshop in Japan, really only minor modifications needed to be made. Uh, and then when it went, when it, when it, when it arrived in the United States and was unpackaged and and reassembled, it was really a matter my husband went over and it was really just a matter of sort of like uh, assembling a, a, a kit or a model because everything was numbered. And to our surprise, I think it was maybe four or five uh, people, all with carpentry skills, but not necessarily, uh, you know, professional carpenters. A couple of them were, uh, were then able to reassemble it in four or five hours, which I, which we found really quite, quite remarkable. And so that it was that incredible. Like I, I would never have imagined that after dismantling the house on location, they would rebuild it in a warehouse just to double check that everything was good to go and then dismantle it again and pack it up and send it. Right. And I, I when it was uh, reassembled in the in the workshop, that was such a moment, you know, it was it was just really incredible. And, and when it was reassembled, all of as I said, each piece of wood was washed. Uh, I think that's standard practice. And I think also because at this point, this was still really an experiment for us. I mean, I know other people, uh, you know, have have done this and primarily sending uh, cominka or tea houses, maybe not so much cominka, but maybe somewhat, you know, more uh, grander or somewhat perhaps more kind of elegant structures for for use uh, as you know in a at a museum or in a Japanese garden. Of course, that that has been done before, but what hasn't been done too much is sending uh, cominka. Uh, over to be used in in other ways, you know, by by by, by private citizens or or community groups or or things like that. So when in Washington, but Andrea, it makes so much sense, right? That's what um, one of the lectures on on your website uh, with one of the the founders of this this association. Right. Uh, talking about the rise in kominka and minka, abandoned houses around Japan. We're, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but saying that it's a, like a reverse. Japan is going to start exporting these really high quality house frames mm. because they're so valued abroad and they're not being valued or reused in Japan. Yes, yes, exactly. And of course, as 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 we know, the best situation is that the rural areas are revitalized and that these beautiful structures are used as they are, that they're maintained and, and renovated and modernized, perhaps in terms of insulation, even natural insulation like hemp and things like that, so that they're comfortable places to live. And there are, of course, so many initiatives in that regard or to, you know, working toward that end. And Japan Kominka Association is very, very active in that. And then of course, the next option is that Kominka are taken down and then relocated or parts of them perhaps are relocated and used in an existing or a new structure in Japan. That's of course, another option that yeah, many people are uh, pursuing. Uh, uh, and Andrew, isn't that interesting? Because 
because I think at the Minka Summit, most people were talking about finding a Minka in a rural area and then deciding whether you want to live there or not. But that's not the only option. Like you're showing, you can find a Minka that's in good condition anywhere and you can move it anywhere and rebuild it. That's amazing. And the process that you just saw in the video where it was being taken down, that's a really painstaking process. And it, it happens, of course, over a couple of days. And we can imagine it might be somewhat somewhat expensive to do that. But I was I was hearing yesterday from the, the head of the Japan Kominka Association that they are developing other ways of also very safely bringing Kominka down and then still being able to reuse the, you know, the beautiful beams and the beamwork and the structure. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of cause for hope because uh, people are doing really creative, interesting things uh, to make this possible. And I think also, you know, we perhaps need to consider on the one hand, it is lovely to relocate a cominca and then recreate it as it was exactly. But it's also, I think, we're really honoring the wood and, and doing something good by taking the wood and using it in another structure. It doesn't need to be exactly as it was before, necessarily. If it, if it is, that's fine. Uh, but I think there's other, you know, there's other avenues that can be that can be taken. Yeah. A great comment from Wendy on Facebook. Great to see Wendy, one of the organizers of Cominco Summit this year. As she says, wow, four to five hour reconstruction. That's amazing. That's true. These are talented builders and carpenters, right? Well, uh, actually, uh, yes and no. Uh, they were very enthusiastic, uh, no doubt. And uh, at least a couple of them, um, including my brother, is you know, very, very experienced, but none of them had built, had assembled a timber, a Japanese traditional timber frame uh, structure before. That was a first. And we had planned that uh, some people from the, that uh, Toda-san and some other people from Japan Kominka Association would go over and, and participate, but because of COVID, it didn't seem like a very good idea. So they didn't, but because of the numbering and because everything had been so methodically documented it they were able to do it very very easily also as you can see it's not a very very large house i'm assuming that maybe for something much larger it might take a little bit more time uh, but it, it, i think it was surprising to everyone how quickly it went together and also maybe uh you know something of a, a real tribute to the you know the wonderful incredibly skilled carpenters who did the work reassembling it and really checking carefully and making some minor adjustments. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, I love seeing that. And then I've got some photos uh, on the American side. And we saw here how the Japanese builders, like even how they're dressed, like take note of the hard hats, uh, the gloves is very typical Japanese sale, right? And then you go to the American side. Oh no! <laughs> I love seeing that. Like it's you've got the yes. the sun hat. It's just like it's the same beams, which is absolutely incredible. Um, yes. But the traditions of building is very different, even though you're building the same house. Uh, this was I see you in there at the group photo. Is that before you ship it off? 
That was just before, I believe. Yes, yes. And when we shipped it out, I mean, we're still so much in the experiment stage at this point, right? Because we didn't, we, we, Huntington Library had a year earlier, uh, with help from Japan Kominka Association, shipped a really grand uh, house from Shikoku. Not really a Kominka, something grander, uh, and they 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 were successful. It, it it arrived and and I believe it's just recently been completed, and they were so kind. Uh, of course, Japan Kominka Association was very kind, and also the Huntington Library was so kind about giving us ideas and advice and things like that. So we knew it could be done or that it had been done quite recently. Other people have done this before, of course. Uh, but we were living in fear that it would get to the port in Washington state and that they discover a little bit of dust on a koara or that, you know, uh, even though we had cleaned so carefully that, you know, there might be a, a, a bug of some kind or something and that it would have to turn around and come back or it would be astronomically expensive to get it through customs. Fortunately, none of that happened. We also had the day after uh, we sent it, there was heavy snow in Okumikawa where we sent it from. So that was so lucky when it arrived in Oregon and uh, where where it went, my brother's house, uh, brother's property is a really rural corner of North uh, Northeast Oregon and uh, very, very heavy snowfall in the winter. So th the fact that uh, that it that it got through, it was able to leave Japan and then able to arrive uh, without a lot of trouble caused by snow was just a miracle because the day after it arrives there, there was heavy snowfall. Yeah, amazing. It's so wonderful to see it here. Now, uh, one of the things that one of the webinars uh, that you shared with me uh, talked about was when you rebuild a Minka house under regulation, I guess in America as well as Japan, you must put a concrete base. Right. So you can't build it directly on the ground like it was originally. Right. Um, that's interesting in that it's both in the US and in Japan has the same rule, but that makes sense. I love that with the Japanese writing. So yeah. it's good your husband went over because it, it probably they would have had to learn some Japanese or they maybe your brother knows Japanese. I actually he doesn't. And the idea was that he was going to come, he was going to come over and be involved in the disassembly. But again, because of COVID, that couldn't happen. So really, my brother was the critical link there. I mean, I'm sure that they probably could have figured something out over Zoom or something like that. But it was really much better with him there. So yeah, wonderful. Well, let me let me share the YouTube channel link and people can go watch those wonderful videos again. I was really happy to be subscriber number five. So I would I would encourage people to go and sign up and be a subscriber. <laughs> that, these are good videos. You guys should have more subscribers soon, I hope. We need well. Actually, there's a, there's a couple of things. One is that we're we're really new, and we haven't been doing too much with YouTube. We've been developing our our websites, and what happened basically was that we we gave the project a name, the Kaminka Collective, and then part of the project were the 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 wonderful Toto family, uh, and then and then my brother and my husband and I, and and uh, and we thought, well, you know, things are always more 
work better if you name it and you know sort of identify it and whatnot. So we called it uh, the Kaminka Collective. And then at some point, it became apparent to us that we really need to needed to separate things for it to be sustainable. That we needed a uh, the Japan Kaminka Association uh, could. Uh, benefit. Um, they, I think this was their idea, and we certainly agreed that they could uh, benefit from having an international arm. And so then the U.S. office was set up. And yesterday, the U.S. office, uh, it's now shifted a bit where we're now the uh, Japan Kominka Association International Office. Uh, and then under that, there will be a U.S. office, perhaps a Swedish office, perhaps a German office, and maybe some other offices, depending on on interest and if people would like to be involved. Um, so that's that's uh, I see. So this is now here. This is our this is the Kaminka Collective website as it's developed into uh, a for profit uh project because we realized that yes we need to be doing nonprofit things but we cannot be sending more than maybe one perhaps two kominka abroad uh, unless we're doing it as 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 more you know within a business framework uh, so my brother and uh, my my lovely husband and uh, the 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 Toda family Toda Toda Comten they're collaborating with Toda Comten and Kominka Collective uh, as as a for profit uh, project and of course the aim is to save Kominka it's not about making money but it has to be sustainable then I'm on the other That's side amazing. of things yeah. the nonprofit part and collaborating with Japan Kominka Association. Yeah, it, I mean, people, planet, profit in balance is the aim of sustainability. And without any income, you cannot survive. So income is an important element of sustainability. Um, I love how you have uh, three different sizes. So you have like a Kaminka studio, a, quite a small one. Uh, the Minka house and then like a full size Minka. So I would imagine the studios would be really popular. The studios are wonderful. I want one, to be honest. Yeah. They are amazing. And actually what they are, uh, we have one sitting, not, not we, it sounds like I have something to do with it and I really don't. Uh, they have one sitting in the workshop right now, um, assembled, ready to go. It's actually a kit. And it's using, of course, uh, um, old uh, beam uh, beam structure, old beams from a from a kominka. Um, it's of course small, as you can imagine. It's less. I think it's exactly two hundred square feet, and it's built in kind of a modular way in panels. So the inside panel is um, plaster. Uh, then there is insulation, and then the outside panel is siding. Um, and as much as possible, reclaimed materials have been used. This is the first one that they've made. So the, the Japanese cedar, you know, ano hinoki, is is used rather a lot. I think in the future, it's it more and more reclaimed materials will be used. Uh, but what the idea is that then it can be packaged up into a, a 40 foot container as soon as containers become available. Right now there's a global shipping problem. So it's double or triple the cost what it usually is to ship. So 
therefore, uh, we're trying every which way to find a way to ship it at a reasonable cost. But for the time being, it's it's still sitting happily in the in the workshop. Then what will happen is it'll be packaged up and sent. It takes about ten days to reach the West Coast. Uh, where it will be unpackaged and assembled probably in a day or two. A crane will be required. It, uh, a skilled carpenter will be required. I think in this case, it's probably going to be my brother. Uh, but the idea is that you have this very beautiful, I mean, just it is that i i wish that i would have uh, put in some uh photos of the of the uh of the studio as it looks now because uh it'll be just a really lovely little structure with a tatami sitting area at one end and over that there's going to be a loft uh next to the tatami sitting area there can be a wood stove um shoji on all of the windows uh one of the lovely by the tatami uh sitting area there's going to be a uh, there is one of the round shoji windows so it's it's just going to be absolutely delightful and then our hope is of course because if if structures are under 200 square feet, and if they don't have uh, a toilet or you know a kitchen, uh, they don't need. Generally, they don't need any planning permission approval, which is a cost savings, and it also means that if someone wants a home office in their backyard, in their you know in, in their backyard, or uh, you know a, that that kind of thing, a, a yoga studio, an art studio, what have you, uh, they get it, it. It's not a long long process. Now what we're seeing here is uh, this is this is me. This is my uh, my part of things, my contribution to things, which is the NPO part. I'm not involved in the, you know, we want to keep those two separate. So they both have the same aims. And what we're seeing here is the Cominca Forum, which is the uh, event arm of the uh, Japan Kominka Association's uh, international office. And you can see here we have, I think we have five different types of events or five aims, uh, including sharing information. And number one, just up above, if I could trouble you to go back up just a little bit, number one here, one of the things that we want to do, in addition to just generally sharing information, I mean, something that uh, my husband and brother noticed when they were uh, when they were reassembling the Cominca in Oregon was how quickly people became interested and how quickly people started to just use the word Cominca naturally, you know? Uh, and so of, of course we want to share information as many other people have done as well uh, outside Japan. And then also what we'd like to do is together with, of course, Japan Kominka Association, we want to make it as easy as possible for people who would like to have a Kominka to find one and then support them through the steps of uh, reconstruction and moving in and settling into the community and, and that type of thing. So one type of event will be that kind of information sharing. And we've just decided uh, that we're going to uh, create and publish a nationwide database 
uh, in English of kominka that are available. Because as you can imagine, I mean, the, the Japan Kominka Association has, I think, 40 branches and 600 uh, member organizations, I believe. It's really, really big. And so their database is huge, but it's only in Japanese. So we'll, 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 we'll get it into English, which will make it, I mean, we all use Deeple anyway in Google Translate, of course, but it'll make it just that much easier. And then connected to that is the idea of having host families. And so, for example, in each prefecture, among the Japan Kominka Association members, that there would be sort of, you know, uh, like, like homestays, kind of like a host family, and that that uh, those architects or those builders uh, would be the people that would uh, have the skills to maybe support people from who don't speak Japanese or people who are living in another country or that kind of thing. So Japan Kamiko Association is really, really, really wanting to be uh, inclusive and very, very diversity affirming uh, in, in its practices and really try to make it as easy as possible for people That's with great backgrounds too. Yeah, yeah. we have a, a great comment from Enrique Mendoza on YouTube. Thanks for joining Enrique. He says, I just say I'm in love. It's such wonderful work. Oh, Thank you. Wonderful comment. That's um, lovely. When you're talking about uh, from the Kominka Association, the lecture I listened to, he said, there are 65 chapters and 400 member companies across Japan working on kominka or minka reuse remodeling renovation in some way so to me that was that was really encouraging but then later on he talks about the huge drop in the number of carpenters from 1995 when you had 760,000 to in 2030 they expect is going to be 210,000 yes. carpenters so yeah this is the that we're losing the craftspeople uh, right. who know how to remodel, uh, repair, and build new kominka, right? And that's, that was one of the reasons for establishing the Japan Kominko Association, uh, of, of course. That's, that's one of the organization's aims. Not its only aim, but that's certainly one of its aims. Absolutely. Um, here, number two, uh, we can see uh, another aim or another type of event that 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 uh, we will be carrying out are uh as you've just mentioned, passing on traditional building techniques. And of course, to skilled carpenters, but also sort of in a DIY sense or to, you know, maybe people like us who might like to be able to uh, reconstruct, not reconstruct, but renovate perhaps uh, their kominka. So, uh, and if I, if I can just comment also, uh, when I'm talking about these different types of events that the Kominka Forum uh, as part of Japan Kominka Association is has started holding and is, is, is planning to hold more and more in the future, uh, we're planning that all of the events will be multilingual, at least English and Japanese. But also, for example, here in Aichi, we are so lucky to have a, we have a wonderful Brazilian, huge Brazilian community. We also have have a very large Nepalese and Vietnamese community. So as 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 inclusive and as many languages as as we can, we, we certainly want to build that kind of a, those those types of events. 
I noticed in your your main work uh, in education mm -hmm. that the link you sent me about uh, mental health seminars and those those kind of uh, conferences and activities that page is also English, Japanese, and Spanish or Portuguese. That's amazing, wonderful. Yes, and the events that we hold are all—they're all multilingual. All of the, for example, the uh, the, the schedule of the of the events of all of the presentations and workshops—all of those are in in the three languages, and we have interpreting for each of the. Oh, there we are. Uh, we have interpreting for uh, each of the presentations. This is 2019. We're going to have our next. Uh, uh, conference November 19th and 20th, uh, and uh, we'll be updating the website to include new information. At this one, I think we had a total of maybe maybe 35 presentations about these different topics, uh, LGBTQ plus uh, related topics and autism, learning differences, uh, multicultural identity, uh, domestic violence, so really quite a wide range. And the idea is that people from different um, cultural backgrounds can come together and share, and also people from different professional backgrounds can come together and share, and that we can really try to make a bridge because as we all know, uh, information, we all need information. And especially about when we're talking about the mental health and, and well-being of young people. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, do you wanna tell us a little bit about this and and your work in and your background in in this kind of area before we go back to Comica. Okay, sure. Uh, well, um, let's see. Um, I have a I, I, I work at IT Prefectural University in the uh, International Relations Department, and which is wonderful university to work at. I'm so lucky we have fantastic students, um, and it's very uh, diversity affirming uh, kind of uh, university. And uh, my background is in mental health, uh, social psychology, and also language studies, and. Um, I'm particularly, at this point right now anyway, uh, particularly interested in social support and mental health support for multicultural children and young people in Japan, and also uh, LGBTQ plus uh, children and young people. My oldest daughter is a trans woman, so uh, male to female trans woman, and uh, she's the, uh, I'm just so incredibly proud of her. And also uh, uh, through her journey, I, I, I really do understand uh, uh, that we as a society uh, are not yet uh, diversity affirming and inclusive and tolerant, and that the psychological burden that is caused by bullying and discrimination, not only for LGBTQ plus uh, youth, but but for people of all different types of, you know, diverse backgrounds, uh, it, it, that the heavy psychological burden is one that no young people, no, ch no, no children should never, ever have to carry. So, so my interest is, is in that and, 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 and how we can uh, connect the dots to all work together and, and, and support uh, children and young people um, of all backgrounds. 
backgrounds. Um, and I, uh, if I can just add in, because I sometimes feel like I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm very interested in uh, preserving Cominca, and I'm also very interested in things related to mental health support. And my, I don't live in a Cominca. I wish I did. Uh, but my, my, my goal within the next three years, if possible, is to uh, to find a Cominca and preferably also find some funding, and uh, create a Cominca that then can be a place, sort of a safe space and uh, a place for retreats and quiet and gathering uh, for children and young people with diverse backgrounds, especially kids from uh, the LGBTQ plus community, because there isn't too much of that here in Japan. So yeah, no, that sounds great. And I think, uh, you know, this came up actually at some of the talks on the Kaminka Summit, uh, talking about finding that better work-life balance, uh, family life balance by moving to a rural area, by living in an old house, by having those ties to tradition and culture more than just living in any generic kind of building, I think we are affected. Our mental, emotional health is affected by the kinds of places we live in and whether we feel a connection to other people. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's, all, it's about community as well. So you're, it seems very different, your two passions, um, but it is very connected in many ways, right? Yes, yes, you said that very beautifully. I wish I, I was going to say, I wish I would have written it down, but I can just go back and listen. So it's okay. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the Cominga Forum. Uh, so I think we finished uh, part two. Let's continue to part three. Let's see if I can get it back here. Yeah. So uh, part one, sharing information, materials, resources, history and culture. Part two, passing on tradition, building techniques, workshops, collaborative projects. And number three? Number three, so creating opportunities to uh, restore and, and, and work on Kominka, uh, both here in Japan and abroad. And something that I heard at the at the summit from people was, well, I live in this city. I don't think I'm going to be able to live in a Kominka. I don't think I'll be able to acquire one for various reasons, but I would love to be able to work on one. And I think, you know, here in Japan for with a Japan Kominka Association, this is something that the local the local chapters do a lot of, and it, it's wonderful. I mean, small children, babies come, and older people come, and students come, and it's. I think it's a wonderful thing. And one thing that I'd very much like to do is make this maybe a little bit more accessible to uh, people who maybe don't speak Japanese, um, or maybe don't know, uh, you know, that these kind of DIY experiences are available and then also similar to what you know we what we've done in the states uh the sending uh kominka we call it mikawa house because it's from okamikawa uh, but sending it to oregon that hopefully uh if if we can do what we're setting out to do more kominka will be uh you know uh, abroad, uh, in various, uh, in very being used for various purposes, and more people will have an opportunity to really have a hands-on experience working on them. 
We also, number four, uh, we're very excited about the idea of being able to hold art, music, and other kinds of cultural events, tea ceremonies, things like this. And in fact, I don't have a photo. I think maybe later down on the page, I did pop in a few photos. Uh, the Mikawa House in Oregon, it's still just a frame. Uh, it's not finished yet, but one of the things, it's way, it's way, way down. I I just popped these in. You can see this is the cleaning and the uh, the things that you showed us before, the kawara. I want to tell you, I think about 800 kawara were washed. That was a big job. Um, anyway, down a, it's the very bottom photo. I'm so sorry to trouble you here. A little bit more. Uh, there's my brother with his dog, Mac, his partner's dog, Mac. Uh, so here you can see uh, this is in Oregon in the sweltering heat. It's usually not hot in Oregon, but it was like 46 degrees that day. Uh, and they, uh, Kiyomi-san, who is the owner of a, a, a Sami Tea, which is located in this very rural cor corner of Oregon, came over and gave a tea ceremony for the, the people in the local area in the it's still just a skeleton at this point. The, the house wasn't finished. It still isn't finished, but, but it was a really wonderful opportunity. And so that, of course, also got us thinking that it would be very nice to have these events. And of course, in this day and age, uh, if we have an event like this here in Japan, then we'll just connect people through Zoom or through, uh, through a platform like this. And likewise, if we do something in Oregon, then we'll, we'll um, online stream it this way as well. Yeah, wonderful. I love to see those beautiful ornate roof tiles reused in interesting ways, right? Because they are gorgeous yeah. and usually you can't see them because they're way on top of a house. Right. So I have seen them on like a, a wall in front of someone's house or yeah. on a gate or yeah. just displayed as art here. So I think if we only keep the roof tiles of a house, if nothing else can be reused, these things were made with such high quality. They're made to last, right? Yes, yes. they're exquisite, aren't they? Amazing. I've seen them as well, as you mentioned. I've seen them also like in a kind of like the walk, the the walk up to a house um, that they're not, they're sort of planted, I guess, down. So you just see the, the one side of the roof tiles, but they just add something so lovely to any landscape and to any interior. And, and it is an absolute shame if they're, and, and they are, I mean, they're in, in so many cases, they're not preserved. So, yeah. If we can preserve them, that's wonderful. Absolutely. Um, so these these are photos of the rebuild in Oregon, right? Right. Yes. 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 Uh, this is uh, the day that it was leaving from uh, from Shinshiro. Uh, and I think I mentioned before, there were 14 of these really huge containers. And I just want to mention that, you know, one thing that we've become really, really aware of, and it quite breaks my heart, is that when these houses are taken down, it's not only the structure; it's also the lama, it's the shoji, it's the, it's you know, it's all of these really intri intricate, beautiful parts. And so, in this particular house, everything that the owners didn't want and was was just going to be 
turned into rubbish, uh, we, we, we very, very happily received. Um, and that includes, for example, the, uh, I guess, what are, I forget what they're called, but the pallets, I guess, for silkworms uh, that were that were in the house from I guess maybe many years ago, and uh, a couple of old saddles and uh, a weaving loom and just everything that was kind of part of the house's history. And I, I'm not sure why I shouldn't be quite so uh, gender binary about this, but I kind of regard this house, Mikawa house as she. And so when she left, we packed her full of all of her things. She went with, you know, just so many things that actually were part of her house, you know, as well as some other things that people were very generous and saying, oh, Mikawa house is going to Oregon next week, put this in the container. So she went with all kinds of, all kinds of, all kinds of treasures. Fall. Mm. Uh, so this is this is the Instagram page. So you can see uh, some of the rebuild of the house in America, maybe. Actually, no. This is. I think this is the Kuminka Association's U.S. office page. Ah, okay. Yeah, forgive me. This is the U.S. This is the NPO page. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And so, you know, we're. Our whole project started less than two years ago, and it's probably less than a year that we've actually uh, defined ourselves as Andrea's on the NPO side, working with the NPO people, and my husband and brother on the other side, taking the, the more business approach. And so we're we're all of this is very very new as you can see uh so and and added to that is the the issue with as i mentioned the shipping containers they are non-existent and they're just exorbitantly expensive so uh for example uh there's someone uh in portland who's interested in perhaps uh having a cominga as a community center but we can't do anything yet a lovely man in vermont is considering having a cominga for his for his home and a really outstanding setting in rural Vermont, but we can't, we can plan, we can, we can take down, you know, the Kamingas can be taken down, but nothing can be sent, at least for, at least for a bit. So, so we're, we're at the beginning stages of things. That's a very uh, exciting part of just starting these new projects too, right? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. So exciting. Yes. And I think probably you've experienced this as well. So for example, at the Kominka Summit and all of the really interesting people that you interview on your on your talk show. I've noticed that in the past two years that I've been getting deeper and deeper into into Kominka and developing just this real love, love of them, love for them, uh, that you meet the most wonderful people, the most incredible people who are doing the most interesting things. Yeah, and I I didn't realize that um, after the Kuminka Summit, I had uh, just kind of absorbed a lot of information by from other people listening to talks, going to the Minka Mall, talking with you folks and other good good businesses and nonprofits, yeah. working as a support network. And so I did an online tour in Okayama on the way back in the beautiful 
restored historical town of Kurashiki. Um, and as I'm walking around, I'm talking about some of the features of the, the Minka houses. And somebody on my tour was like, you know a lot about old houses. And I was like, I was so inspired by the Kominka summit that I didn't even realize. So it's just wonderful to keep learning, to keep exploring and thinking about these things because every area is so different. Every, every experience of remodeling or restoring or reusing a Minka is so unique. Yeah. It's a wonderful topic for, for me. It's so focused on sustainability for sure. And Mia, if I might just say something about the Kominka Summit, I'm, I am a very recent board member. I, I joined last and the other board members worked tirelessly for a year, just tirelessly. And so I think because I'm the newest member, I certainly cannot take any credit for the success of that event. Uh, but I think because I didn't have much to do with its success, I can say, oh my gosh, it was amazing. I, I mean, it, it was a first time event and even had it not been a first time event, it still would have been amazing. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, there's, yes, yeah. And what a great team. And it was all volunteers. Yeah. So we're really hoping that this can become an annual event because the more people I talk to about it, everybody says, was that publicized? I didn't hear about that. That sounds amazing. I want to go. So I think the 300 people that did go yeah. are going to be ambassadors for the next one. Definitely. Yes. Yes. And also next year, hopefully, uh, immigration things will, will change and people will be more able to visit. Uh, and so I think that's going to probably per perhaps be uh, another group of participants that might be might be coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about the data a little bit. I found that really interesting in one of the talks, the webinars that you did. Yeah. Um, everything was so beautifully bilingual. That's a great effort, a great resource. Yeah. And talking about the number of vacant houses is still increasing. They're expecting 30% of all the houses to be vacant by 2033. It's just incredible. Incredible. Data. And, um, point and go ahead. Yeah. And 800,000, um, uh, 48% of all existing Kominka are vacant. Yes. Yes. 800,000 vacant Kominka around Japan. So the total Kominka in all of Japan is 1.64 million. Yes. Um, but within a five year period between 2008 and 2013, 13% were destroyed. Destroyed, not dismantled, reused, destroyed. destroyed. That's 231,000 Kominka houses. Yes. Yes. And Alex Kerr talks about that, right? Um, everybody involved in the Minka Summit was yeah. talking about that in some way. You just feel your gut wrenching when you walk past a beautiful old Minka that's just being crushed. Right. That's not being dismantled like you're doing with your beautiful projects. Mm. Yes, it's 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 just it's heartbreaking. It's it's absolutely heartbreaking. Uh I was I've I've I think maybe from the same uh PowerPoint, uh, I think I've read that 50,000 Kominka 
uh, are acknowledged to be destroyed every year, uh, but that in fact, it's probably closer to 100,000 because there's, there, there are going to be Kominka that are, it, you know, where it's not necessarily known or reported that they've been torn down perhaps. So, so it, it, it's just an incredibly, incredibly high number. Um, but like we mentioned earlier, that whole idea that this could be a great resource for Japan to start exporting instead of crushing, um, dismantling and making sure it's in good condition and shipping around the world. Yeah. There was another example of uh, entrepreneur in France who would love to import uh, old Minka yes. and use it as a guest house and have a outside Ofudo or Rotenburo. Um, and what amazing appeal that would have right. in a rural French area. You know, I mean, anywhere in Japan, you're going to have appeal from a beautiful old remodeled Minka. But anywhere abroad, how unique and wonderful would that be, too? Lovely, yes. And I think uh, there's also a, a, a couple, a German couple, lovely German couple who are uh, renovating a Kuminka. Uh, here in Japan. They're just at the beginning stages of it. And they're also interested in perhaps joining in the Kominka Collective project and sending some Kominka uh, to to Germany. Uh, and then there, uh, another person has talked about perhaps wanting to try to send some Kominka to, to Sweden. So I think, you know, this idea of uh, where it's where it's possible to be sending Kominka abroad to be really cherished and appreciated, uh, or Kominka and or old materials. Uh, and then also at the same time, making it easier for Japanese people and also for uh, for people with maybe more of a multicultural background to be able to acquire kominka and renovate them and, and settle happily into either a, a, a new area or to to relocate, relocate the materials or relocate the house. Yeah. Mm. Um, we have a nice comment from Enrique. It's amazing, creative, and beautiful logo for the Japan Kaminka Association as well. So he appreciates the logo design. Oh. Yeah. I don't know who the logo maker was, but I'll be sure to tell Inoue-san, who is the top of the Japan Kominka Association. I'm sure he'll be very okay. happy to hear it. You mentioned something about creativity. I'm so impressed by the creativity of... Uh, for example, the people in, in, in our group, in the Japan Kominka Association, uh, for, for instance, you know, this idea of, of uh, host families in terms of the builders who are uh, really keen to work together with people who are maybe living in another country or, or who are living in Japan but don't speak Japanese very well. Uh, I, that was his idea, I, I believe. And I thought, well, that, that's just such a... I would, as a, as a prospective Kominka uh, uh, acquirer, I, uh, 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 I'm at a loss for a better word, uh, 
I think I would find that just so welcoming to know that there's someone out there that is, you know, is really keen to to help and support with uh, various aspects of, of the process. Uh, another another idea that's in the works is um, uh, Cominca loans, and these have started. Japan Cominca Association is working with banks uh, to to promote and help this grow. I think at the moment only a bank in Kyushu and a bank in Toyota. Yohashi uh, are actually providing loans for Kominka. I could be wrong. And of course, I, I believe that they need to be Kominka that are in that area. So I can't go to Toyohashi for a loan for another 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 area. But I think we can expect that that's probably going to be growing and developing in the future. And then also something that the Japan Kominka Association is uh, working on at the moment is zero yen Kominka. And I think sometimes people say, well, if it's a zero yen Kominka, if it's free, it's just going to structurally, it won't be sound. It's going to need so much work. We, you know, that's just not a very good idea. Uh, but the idea, I think, with with the uh, with the, the the idea that the Kominka Association has is that uh, yes, they would be free, and but it would be um, in it would be kind of a collaboration between the people that want to have their Kominka taken down, and the Japan Kominka Association, and then also the person who is interested in acquiring the Kominka, and the. Uh, I think the, the sort of the critical point here is that the use of the Kominka would have to be in some way contributing to the community. It could be maybe in some, you know, in the, uh, for example, uh, being built and then used for uh, to as a place for elderly people to live or uh but anyway, I think it, it needs in some way, maybe it's perhaps what the people who would be living in the Kominka would be doing to contribute to the community. But that's there were there were some ideas in the lecture about uh, using it as a community center and then having it as a DIY center yes. to teach young people how to repair, remodel, restore, renovate old Minka houses as well. Yeah, we, we have a little visitor here. I, I have an orange one of those. You have an orange one, yeah. They're very important when you have an old art. The art. If 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 my if mine knew that yours was there, he would be he would be <laughs> clamoring to participate. Oh, um, we just have a few more minutes. Uh, it's been such an amazing talk. Is there anything we haven't touched on yet that you'd like to talk about? Right. How about you have some upcoming events? Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. Thank you so much. And are you going to, I think, are you going to share again the forum website? Bless you. Thank you. Ah, there we go. So if you could just pop over to the, there's another on the on the top. Yeah, um, upcoming events. That's it. And I've just popped in a few that are coming up. One is that in July, uh, a good mutual friend, uh, Dorothy from uh, from Nagano, uh, who is a Buddhist, uh, a Zen priest, and has an absolutely 
gorgeous cominca that she's renovated and now is, is a zindo. And what we're seeing here, if we're, we're looking down at the cominca that has a, a temple in it and uh, people can stay there, there's a beautiful kitchen. It's just, just gorgeous. And what we're looking from is, I guess, a shiminka. It, it has you can go down a bit and you can see there's uh this is inside the shiminka here those gorgeous doors are just incredible everywhere you look at dorothy's place it's just it's it's just in mind-blowing uh this is also here in the shiminka in, in other words she's used old materials you can see these gorgeous old beams and kura doors and things like that in a new structure. And this is where she has uh, all kinds of creative events um, and retreats, uh, yoga and uh, lamp making. The end of June, she has a lamp making workshop coming up, which will be fantastic. Anyway, Dorothy is going to join us online and talk about her journey uh, in, in, in becoming a, a, a Buddhist uh, priest, and then also uh, her journey in renovating this beautiful Komingo and then going on to build the, the Shiminka. So that's the first event, and that's in that is uh, July July third, and the next event I've got them just listed up here a little bit somewhere. There we go. Uh, in August we're going to have a renovated Kominka tour in Chinchiro, and we'll go through just one Kominka, but really hear about the history of it. It, it was relocated from Niigata, and and really look very carefully uh, in real time with, with the person that's done the restoration work uh, because the attention to detail and the, the, the beautiful things that he's brought in are just 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 breathtaking. Um, and then in September, we're going to have a Kominka DIY experience in Okumikawa, and it will be on Zoom and also in person. So we, we welcome everyone to either come online or to come to join on Zoom. And then in October, we're going to have an event in Oregon, which we've titled Kominka and dot, dot, dot. We're hoping that our, our good friend Kiyomi from Seimei Tea uh, can come along and do a tea ceremony. And then some local musicians and artists can also uh, uh, have a, an event there. And we'll be streaming that from Oregon then. So that's what we have coming up in the nearish future. That's that's wonderful. Very exciting. Uh, Dorothy has been on the talk show and told us about finding those old amazing beams to reuse in that meditation center that she was able to build. It's just a, a great story about how as an entrepreneur, you can also make such good use of these old Minka houses, right? Yeah. It's not just to live in or to make a guest house. There's a variety of wonderful ways you can reuse, right? Absolutely. And with Dorothy, anything that she talks about is going to be interesting because she's so interesting and her life is, you know, so interesting. So I, I'm very, very much looking forward to her coming and, and talking to well, us. All of, all of your events, they're so interesting. 
Uh, even with the Kominka Association, there's so much great information there about the situation in Japan, uh, ideas and opportunities for going forward. Very positive and proactive um, from that group, as well as your group with all of your collaborations with people overseas. I'm really excited to see how you guys are doing going forward. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrea. Thank what you. a wonderful talk. And I'd love to reconnect again sometime after some of your events and see how things are going. Sounds great. Thank you very much. All right, wonderful. Thank you, everybody, for joining and for great questions and comments today. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. I found the note beside your cabin. Won't you see? Won't you see? I'll take your pain, just let me through. Don't worry, baby, I love you. Don't be afraid to tell me the truth. show my tears to you i'm stronger i dropped the armor now i'm bolder